I catch my breath and uh, turn to our Jonah, chapter number four. We continue working through the, bu- the book of Jonah. I, uh, I thought, well, it's just one service. I'll just lead the singing and, and do it, and it'll be okay. And man, I forgot how much of a. I even went through the songs beforehand, but uh, those are a little more peppy than I'm used to. And boy, they require a lot of uh, wind. And then when you're uh, swinging your arms too, boy, uh, that'll wear you out. It's a good workout. Jonah, Jonah chapter number four. Jonah chapter number four and uh, verse number one. We'll just read the first couple of verses. And uh, this is really uh, a good portion here in Jonah chapter number four and verse number one. The Bible says, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly and he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then said the Lord, Doest thou well to be angry? Let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank you just for your goodness to us. We thank you for your many blessings. Thank you for the privilege and the opportunity that we have to be in your house, gathered around your word. God, I pray that you would just bless our service this morning. God, I pray that you'd bless uh, our Sunday school class, each and every person that's here. Father, thank you for them. God, I pray that you would use me. I pray, Father, that you'd speak through me. God, I pray that you would just, uh, as we look at this lesson, Father, may we uh, examine our lives and think about uh, what we desire, God, in our lives. And God, I pray that you would help us to desire what you want. And uh, Father, we'll certainly thank you for that. We'll be careful to give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. The book of Jonah really is a drama-filled book. Uh, and, and it takes an unexpected turn here in chapter 4. Most of us could completely understand Jonah's resistance to want to go and do God's will in the first place. I mean, after all, we all could really uh, associate and assimilate with that idea that if God asks us to do something, we're like, oh, I don't want to do that. Uh, maybe, maybe it's to witness to somebody and you have reservations and you have nerves and you're like, man, I'm not for sure if I could do that. Or maybe it was to teach a Sunday school class or something uh, else. And, and you say, mm, I'm not for sure that I could do that. And you would have reservations and you say, I, I don't think I'm, I'm quite cut out for that. And we would understand that just as Jonah would uh, not desire to go to Nineveh. We could really associate with that. We could understand not wanting to do something that God wanted him to do. However, once you finally give in and do what God wants you to do, I really have a hard time understanding uh, Jonah 4.1 when Jonah was displeased because he did what God wanted him to do, but then God had grace and mercy on Nineveh. And it takes a real turn. And we're really, uh, I, I have a hard time wrapping my head around that. 
that, and perhaps you do too. I'm not for sure uh, if you do, but I, I struggle with that, and I'm not for sure that I remember that. Uh, especially as you look at uh, chapter 2 and really the, uh, the repentance that takes place there in chapter 2 because uh, Jonah says, uh, Jonah repents. I mean, Jonah is, of course, thrown overboard and uh, swallowed by that great fish. And while he's there, he cries out to God and says, man, I, you know, okay, God, I'll, I'll go and I'll do what you want me to do. And, and I repent. I realize my error. And so then in chapter 3, of course, he does go. And, uh, and the nation of, or the city of Nineveh repents because of Jonah's preaching. And, uh, and while, his, uh, while his message is simple and straightforward and short, I'm not sure that his heart was in it uh, because of Jonah chapter 4. But God greatly used it, and the people listened and learned and looked toward God, and they were, and they were, uh, and then were, were just completely baffled by Jonah 4.1. And uh, I can't really understand a Christian being upset that God was gracious and merciful and withheld judgment because someone repented. Um, I just find that difficult to understand, but that's what happened here. Uh, and so it does happen, and, and it is possible, and it is a, a, a scenario that does take place. And so I want us to look at these first couple of verses, really looking at uh, Jonah's life here and trying to understand all of this. And the first thing I want you to notice is the surprise of the displeasure. Uh, to us, it is a surprise. I mean, granted, we're familiar with the book of Jonah. We've been through it before. But if you were reading this for the first time, and you were reading through the book of Jonah, and you got to chapter 3, and, uh, and you see the end, you'd say, man, period, that's the end. Wow. You know, what a great story. I mean, if, if it ended on chapter 3, Nineveh repented, and you just in your mind imagine that Jonah goes on his merry way, and that all is well, and that there's no problems, then say, man, what a great book. But chapter 4 comes along. And Jonah's upset. And the Bible says there in verse 1, it, it, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. Boy, I have a hard time understanding that, because um, we see the, uh, the outlook. I mean, anybody who invests a little bit of something is going to expect success. I mean, if you put uh, work and effort into any project, um, boy, you want it to be a success. Uh, last, last month, the last Easter, uh, or over Easter break, really, my, my daughter's uh, engine blew in her car. And I thought, uh, because of the situations and everything, because of where we're at in America and the price of cars is through the roof and everything is just crazy, uh, I said, you know what? I said, I've done a lot of mechanical work. I said, Let's, I'll just replace the engine. And, uh, and man, I, I got into that and I started tearing it apart. I was doing it all myself. I would do it after work when I'd go home from the church and I'd tear things out. And, and I've taken most of the stuff off the engine before, but I've never done it all at once. And, uh, and so I, I started doing that and, and, uh, and I, I got it. I finally got that engine out. And uh, man, I was, I was relief, but I was also terrified. I thought, I got to get the other engine back in. And that's going to be harder than, I mean, pulling stuff out. I've learned, hey, it's easy to tear things out and tear things apart. That's pretty easy. But putting things back together can be a real challenge. 
And so I started putting that other engine in there, and, and uh, there were several, I spent several hours just trying to get it situated and trying to get it lined up with the transmission and drop it in, and you're talking about a 250-pound engine, and trying to drop it in at the right angle and get everything to line up, and there's not a, little, there's not a lot of room in those little Chinese cars. There's just not. And, uh, and, and I was trying to get it all situated. I spent hours just trying to get that thing in. And, uh, and I remember several nights just going to bed thinking, man, I've gone in over my head. And I've gotten this far and I've invested this much and I can't finish it. And I'm thinking, man, I, I got to succeed at this because I've got too much invested. I've got too much time. I've got too much energy. I've got too much stuff uh, poured into this project that I can't let this fail now. And so uh, after, I, it, I think it took me three days and several hours each day uh, to, before I finally got that engine and actually I ended up dropping the transmission, but that's beside the point. Um, my point is that, that when you invest in a project, you have to say, man, it's got to work. I mean, I've myself into this project my my blood my sweat my tears went into that to make that work and and man uh, I tell you what when I finally got it all in and I finally got everything hooked back up and it came the moment of truth I stuck the key in it and I turned it on and I waited for that fuel pump to pump the fuel all up into the engine and pressurize everything and I fired it and man it turned over and started I tell you what there was nothing greater I mean that's you're like, that was a big relief. I thought, man, I didn't fail. But here's Jonah. He's invested all this time and all this effort, and it was effort because you remember the whale dropped him on a shoreline. Nineveh is not near a shoreline. He then had to walk from wherever he was to where Nineveh was, which would have been a great distance. So he invested a great deal of time. He went to Nineveh and he preached there, and you would think that Jonah would be uh, just elated that, hey, this was a success and that Nineveh had repented and change their mind and, and, and that he would be happy about it. But I think Jonah really wanted to take that key and hit that motor and not have it start. I just don't understand that. Because I think anybody who invests something uh, really wants to see success. And, and listen, you put that in terms of Christianity as a church and as a Christian. Hey, we, we, we invest in our church and we pray and we give and we invite and we want to see people and we want to see our church grow and have a success. And, 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 when, uh, and when, if it were to have success, and we'd be upset... That's where Jonah's at. And I scratch my head and I don't really understand how on earth could he have had that outlook and, and, and didn't want success. He really was expecting failure. And I think what kind of a person invests and, and puts effort into a project only to expect it to fail? But that was Jonah's outlook in all reality. And it surprises us because of his displeasure. And you look at this idea as well that, you know, the world really is happy when, when Christians do not succeed. I mean, by and large. I'm not talking about the average 
person in the world. But, but really, uh, Satan and the devil is against the church. They are against the church. They're not for Christianity. They do not want to see a church succeed. They do not want to see sinners repent. And, and really, you can expect somebody that is uh, anti-church and anti-God and anti-Bible who would say, man, I'm glad, I'd be glad uh, if that church closed its doors. I'd be glad if those things didn't work out. And that's the mindset of the opposition. But how on earth that mindset gets into Jonah is really beyond me. And I would expect it from unsaved lost people, but I would not expect it from Jonah, who was the prophet that God had sent to Nineveh. I wrote down this illustration and I read, it's kind of like if you were playing football and, uh, and you got past the ball and your own teammates tackled you. Now, on occasion, wouldn't that be weird? I mean, you wouldn't expect that. You'd be like, man, he's running, he's running block for me. And then all of a sudden, man, he just, he just crushes you. And you're like, what are you? I, I would be mad. I watched little kids sports. There's nothing better than watching little kids sports and watching them score on the wrong goal. On accident. I mean, I, I, it happens invariably everywhere. Everyone does it at some point. You know, they, they're standing there and, and basketball, they, they get past the ball and they see the hoop and bam, throw it up and, and make a basket only to find out, oh, that was the wrong goal. I just scored for the other team. And, and, and you, you see their disappointment come over their face. But, but it's like Jonah was doing that on purpose. And so I'm quite surprised at his displeasure and his very, uh, the fact that he was very angry with God. So we find surprise in that. There's no doubt about that. That is a very unexpected twist and turn to the book of Jonah that we didn't expect. That we didn't expect. But I want you to notice this, that there was a selfishness of, out of his displeasure. First and foremost, it's the pride that you can see. Look with me in verse number two. He says there in verse number two, and he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? I want you to notice how many times he says, I and my and me in, in verses 2 and 3. I'll read it again. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God, and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me. It is better for me to die than to live. And, uh, and we see the message about the excessive amounts that he refers to himself. Everyone's heard warnings, you know, when somebody is constantly talking about themselves and to take heed and take warning uh, because it's a very prideful uh, thing. And, and even back in Isaiah chapter number 14, uh, the Bible talks about Lucifer being in heaven and how he said, I will ascend my throne above the stars of heaven and I will be like the Most High. And he goes on a very prideful rant talking about how he was going to do this and he was going to do that and we should take warning because that is a very prideful place to be and uh, and pride obviously uh, arrogance goes against God we see warnings of that all throughout the book of Proverbs and so here Jonah is 
basically angry with God and complaining and saying uh, how he is displeased with God because he knew God would be gracious and that he knew better than God. Look at what he said there in verse number two. He said in the middle of the verse, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? In other words, he's saying, I knew this would take place. I knew that if I went to Nineveh, they would repent and that you wouldn't destroy them. And Jonah was upset about that because of his prideful arrogance and saying, you know, I knew that that would take place. You know, most arguments, I've said this before, most arguments boil down to I'm right and you're wrong. That's really what they boil down to. And it really becomes a source of pride and arrogance to say, well, I'm right and you're wrong. And, and nine times out of ten, to be 100% honest with you, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. How does that help anybody to prove that you were right and that they were wrong? It really doesn't help. Um, and so uh, think about that as we think about uh, Jonah's arrogance as he's really arguing with God and saying, listen, I was right and, and, and I knew that this would happen and this is why I didn't want to go. But not only Jonah's pride, I want you to look at Jonah's philosophy. Jonah wasn't complaining that God was merciful and that God was gracious He really wasn't because uh, Jonah had accepted God's mercy. Jonah was a recipient of God's grace and God's mercy. So he wasn't complaining that he was merciful and that he was gracious, but rather that he would be merciful and he would be gracious to Nineveh. And Jonah didn't want to see the Ninevites spared. Jonah wanted to see the Ninevites destroyed. I don't know, uh, I've read and I've heard many things about the wickedness that went on in Nineveh and, and, uh, and I don't really know all of the uh, atrocities that had taken place uh, at the hand of the Ninevites, but the bottom line is that Jonah was selfish. He was a holier-than-thou attitude that he was displaying, saying, listen, I'm of God's mercy and God's grace, and they are not. And that's really what he was saying. When you boil it all down, he's saying, well, I, you know, I'm good enough to receive God's grace, and I'm good enough to receive God's mercy, which was not the case at all. In all reality, none of us are good enough for God's grace and mercy. That's the reality of it. But God's grace and God's mercy is so immense And that's where we say, praise the Lord, because he loved even me. He loves all people. And God's grace is far greater than we can fathom and we can understand. And so uh, Jonah's philosophy was, uh, you know, hey, it's, it's good for some, but it's not good for all. And, uh, and really, that's a bad philosophy that Jonah had. You know, people always find uh, a reason to complain. I read this in the, in the Sunday school lesson. I was looking over things, and, and, uh, and they, they gave this idea that, uh, boy, there's a lot of truth to that. People always find a reason to, to complain. If a, if a fellow that was wealthy was about to die, and uh, for whatever reason he was spared, and the doctors maybe found uh, medicine and cured him, uh, most people would be, would be happy about that. But somebody would find a reason to complain, It'd be one of the inheritance receivers. Man, I was real, I was needing that money. 
I was counting on that fella kicking the bucket. And boy, I wanted to get that money. And he would complain. Um, you know, and, and it's, that's how we are. Uh, if, if, a, if farmers were, uh, did really well and, and the crops, the rain came and the crops came and, and then a bumper crop and they really got more and, uh, boy, you know, people would be like, well, there's lots of grain and that's a good thing. I'm there, you know, that would be something that people would rejoice about. But then some farmer would say, yeah, now all the price of crop is going to go down because there's, there's, there's so much of it that uh, the price is going to go down. And, and I'm just saying, sometimes we'll find a reason to complain when there's really no reason to complain. And maybe that's where Jonah was at in his life, that he just complained uh, about something that was going on just for the sake of complaining. I, I don't really know, but uh, we see Jonah's philosophy here is not good because he was upset with God. And then Jonah's past. And he said there in verse number two, I touch on this, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? And this was Jonah's original problem. This is why he didn't want to go to Nineveh, because he knew if I go to Nineveh, that, God, that those people are going to repent. And if those people are going to repent, God's going to stay his judgment on them. And he won't, he won't judge them. And he won't destroy the Ninevites. And Nineveh, or, or destroy the Ninevites. And Jonah wanted the Ninevites to be destroyed. Uh, listen, there is no room for jealousy in the work of the Lord. It's really not. I mean, if you think about it, uh, if we become so selfish that we don't allow others to be saved, grow in grace, experience mercy, and take up positions of leadership, then we have a problem. Uh, we've got to allow grace and allow others uh, to move in and, and to experience God's grace. And Jonah certainly did not want that. And so uh, we can see not only the surprise of the displeasure, but also the supplication, not the supplication, the selfishness of the displeasure. And then look on as we move on in verse number two. I want you to notice as well, this is subtle, but it is there, the slander from the displeasure. Verse number Two there, he says, and I and he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore, I fled before unto Tarshish. He was Jonah was blaming God for his sin. He's like, because you were gracious and because you're merciful, it caused me to not even want to go. And it's subtle, but he's blaming God for his error in running the other way and going uh, against what God wanted in his life. And listen, our sin is not God's fault. Sometimes we, we live in such a victim society. Boy, it drives me crazy. And, and, and sometimes we need to just own our own heirs and own our own sins and not have that victim mentality that is so promoted today. And, and it's almost like nothing is your fault. It was your grandparents' fault and your parents' fault and your great-grandparents' fault. And if that's not it, then it was your great-great-great-great-great-grandparents' fault. And, and in reality, it kind of was, it was Adam's fault. He fell to sin and we're all sinners because of that. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, we all have sin because we choose to do sin. 
And we make mistakes in our life. Jonah needed to own his error instead of blaming it subtly on God and saying, hey, you know, this is your fault because you're so gracious and you're so merciful. We find him blaming God. Then he also, he, in an essence, he belittles God because of his mercy, because of his graciousness. You know, it would do us all good to remember that, hey, we're all sinners and we're all recipients of God's grace and God's mercy. And praise the Lord for it. Because, honestly, we all need God's grace and we all need God's mercy and we all needed salvation. And except for God's salvation, uh, we wouldn't have a way to be saved. Uh, we are not good enough to save ourselves. We're not good enough to clean up our own lives. We're not good enough to straighten ourselves out. But God is, and so uh, praise the Lord for His salvation and for His grace. We could see the, uh, the slander from His displeasure, but I want you to notice as well the supplication of His displeasure. Verse number 3 is an interesting one. He says, Therefore now, O Lord... Take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Here's Jonah. This is quite amazing. His request is saying, hey, take my life from me. Now, I know other prophets in the Bible that have prayed that. Elijah comes to mind immediately. But the circumstances of Elijah's prayer are far different from that of Jonah. What was Elijah's circumstances? Elijah's circumstances were this. He had gone to King Ahab and, uh, and he said, Hey, listen, the Lord told me that it's not going to rain on Israel uh, because of the sin and wickedness of Israel until I say so. Then he left. And uh, Jezebel, Ahab's wife, said, uh, I'm going to kill you today. And, uh, and, and, and Elijah left. And so after Elijah had marched in there and, and made that proclamation to the king, uh, the Lord said, hey, I want you to escape and, and go away. And so Elijah had gone quite a distance. He had traveled. And by the time he had arrived there, uh, he was exhausted. And all the kings, or all the, the king and his army uh, was busy searching, or so he thought at least, uh, for Elijah to destroy him. And he thought, Lord... I've done your will. I've done what I was supposed to do. Now just take my life. I'm tired and I can't go any further. And, uh, and I've hit the end. It was totally different. What was Jonah's circumstances? Man, all these people got saved and I'm not happy about it. Just take my life. What a contrast between these two. I mean, there's a far great difference between those two. And by the way, there's a lot about prayer in the book of Jonah. It's quite interesting. There's many lessons of prayer that you can take out of it because chapter 1, uh, the, the mariners prayed. The captain requested Jonah to pray. And the mariners, even before they threw Jonah overboard, again they prayed and said, God, don't hold this against us. We believe this is what you want. We're going to throw your prophet out in the ocean. And so they spent a lot of time in prayer in verse number 1. Chapter 2 is all about Jonah's prayer. We looked at that and how Jonah would call upon God and, and talk with God in chapter 3 and or chapter 2. And in chapter 3, the Ninevites seek God's face in prayer. 
And they spent time in prayer and fasting and and asking God to withhold His judgment on the country of of Nineveh, or the city of Nineveh, and the king of Nineveh also prays. and, And all of these prayers are begging for God's mercy. But you get down to chapter 4 and verse number 3, it's no longer begging for God's mercy, it's rather begging for God to take him out. So man, I'm done. I want off this team. I quit, is basically what Jonah was saying. Saying, I'm not interested in, in playing on this team anymore. Just take my life because things are not going the way that I want. What a sad state Jonah was in, in all reality. Listen, it's, it's sad But honestly, there are Christians who don't want to see God's word prosper. In other words, they're happy with their life the way everything is. And as long as things don't change, they're fine. But if things change and and people start to get saved and God starts to do things, then it becomes a problem for them. And they're like, man, I I don't know about this. And and they become upset and, and don't want to continue. They're no longer interested in serving God. And this is kind of where Jonah is at, that he's saying, man, uh, you know, I was happy with the, uh, the stable way things were, but I'm not happy about this great change of going to Nineveh. I'm not happy about this great change of ministering to the to the Ninevites and being there and so we see this strange request that Jonah makes and then you see there you don't really see it but God's lack of an answer in verse number four he says then said the Lord doest thou well to be angry and God really doesn't answer Yea or nay, you know, God has three answers to prayers. He says, yes, we know that that didn't happen because Jonah's not dead. He says, no, maybe he did and Jonah didn't hear it or it wasn't recorded. And then there's wait and uh, maybe that was it. I don't know. But uh, the irony is out of God's grace, he didn't answer Jonah's request. Isn't that ironic? Jonah wasn't asking for grace or mercy. He was upset because of God's grace and mercy, and he was praying for God to take him out. He's like, I'm done. I'm not playing anymore, and, and I, don't want to be on, I don't want to be involved in this any longer. And, and, and God said, no, I'm not doing that. What a, what a great, long-suffering God we serve Amen. who puts up with us when Jonah, in these verses, he resembles a little child, didn't get his way, pouts, cries, screams, kicks, says, I'm done, take me out, kill me. I don't want to do this anymore. Because he did not get his way. What a sad state for Jonah to be in. And really, the book pretty much ends that way. As you read down through there, we'll cover the last of of chapter 4 next week, but we see Jonah's supplication saying, hey, take me out of the, out of the game and I'm not interested in being here. It's not because Jonah was suffering from health problems and it's not because Jonah was aged and, and, uh, and his body was falling apart. It was all because Jonah did not get his way. That he cries and says, take me out, I'm all done. And God does not answer his request, does not grant him his request, maybe better said, and, and, uh, and praise the Lord for that and his great 
uh, great long-suffering. Listen, we ought to be content with God's will and what God is doing. Sometimes it shuffles our life up, uh, and sometimes it's a little bit different. But listen, we ought to be willing to follow God and willing to obey God and willing to do what God would have us to do. And even if it, uh, even if it maybe goes against what we're interested in, or maybe if it makes our life a little bit different than what we were expecting, then, uh, then, then hey, we ought to thank the Lord for that and say, hey, God's going to do something. Because sometimes God does stuff and it is different than what we expect. And it isn't what we expected. And, uh, and we ought to be content with what God has for our life. As we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, Jonah was displeased with God. It's shocking to me, really. And it's amazing to look at that response. But may we not have those elements in our life. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your word and God, how we can look at Jonah's life and we can see his displeasure and how he was very angry. God, I pray that you'd help us to not ever be angry with you. God, sometimes we might be confused. Sometimes we might not understand things, but God, I I pray that you would help us to never be angry with you. God, I pray that you would help us to be happy with um, what you are doing and, and the things that you are doing. And I pray, Father, that you would help us to see your will in and through it all. God, these really even weren't extreme circumstances for Jonah, but yet he reacted in such a bad way. God, I pray that you'd help us to be happy, to be content, to be joyous with what you do and help us to be accepting of your will. Father, we'll certainly thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play, if God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open. our reactions to God's will. Sometimes God does things that we don't like or we don't want. We need to be content with God's will. Content with God, what God does.